And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. A legend as a player, Patrick Vieira, the manager, insists he can stop Crystal Palace from sliding towards the Premier League relegation zone. He was considered for the Arsenal job before Mikel Arteta, and now they face each other at the weekend, an absolute world apart. So, after another defeat for Palace, how much longer can this go on? And how much longer will it be allowed to go on? I'm Ian Irving, and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. And through for March. March! What a brilliant goal! Outstanding! The spirit of the team, I'm looking at the discipline and I look at the work ethic today. I, I, I'm satisfied with that. The problem is that we don't score those goals. I think it's confidence, but the most important is to score those goals. And, and we didn't, and we have to keep being positive and change our mindset. Okay, joining us today from The Athletic is Dom Fifield and also Matt Woosnam, who was at the Amex Stadium to witness Crystal Palace being beaten 1-0 by Brighton. Uh, Matt, first of all, thank you for putting yourself through this the morning after the night before. Any sign of the pressure or the the situation getting to to Patrick Vieira or the players last night? Yeah, after the game, it was quite interesting. Vieira cut quite a relaxed figure. Um, in recent weeks, I think it's been pretty clear in his press conferences that he's been feeling pressure. He said that he doesn't feel any more pressure than the day that he arrived at the club, which may be the case, but he certainly showed it more. Do you believe him? Well, he certainly showed it more outwardly more recently, but I think it was just a performance that I think I've seen almost every week for the last three months, to be honest with you, last night. Um, Same old problems for Palace. You know, the players just didn't really, other than for the first 15, 20 minutes, just didn't really sort of turn up, I suppose certainly an attack defensively reasonably solid but going forward there just wasn't anything after an initial burst Dom they did have a shot on target which of course going into the game last night was a major talking point but where are you at with the status of Palace and Vieira at the minute well I I think I'm like a lot of Palace supporters at the moment I, I, I think we all wanted this project to work I think everybody out there appreciates and in, and likes having Patrick Vieira as a figurehead at the top of the club. He's a, a, He comes across so well. He's a, a natural leader in terms of, largely in terms of his reputation as a player. The way he talks, the way he, he acts, I think, you, and the way he's bought into the mentality of Crystal Palace Football Club as well. Mm. He's very That's much part of it. Absolutely. It? I mean, it, it just felt, from the start, it felt like a a good, fresh fit. However, that all said, this season, and and it's not all down to him by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he's. I think he's been sold a bit of a pup in terms of the the balance of the squad. That certain players haven't been replaced, uh, who needed to be replaced. There's a lack of strength of depth there. 
I'm not sure that he can play the type of football that he wants to play with this squad. And he hasn't shown an, an ability to adapt to what he has at his disposal, which has left Palace horribly, horribly short. And in... You can't weirdly you can't say free fall because they've been twelfth forever. But the reality is, everybody <laughs> below them is catching them up, and and eventually it'll get to the point where you know where they continue not to to win, uh, where they're, they're overtaken and 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 submerged beneath the relegation zone. I thought the most telling thing about about Wednesday night, in much the same way as it was, I don't know, in December against Nottingham Forest or or. I think it was last month against Aston Villa. It may have been earlier this. I can't remember. It's They all merge into one. The performance, as Matt says, was exactly the same. A bright opening. You spurn your chances to take the lead. And then most critically of all, after half-time, the team looks clueless. It looks rudderless. It doesn't have an obvious um, pattern of play, an obvious target, an obvious... You know, where, where, what are they trying to do? What, what is the plan? There, there isn't a plan, unfortunately, and I think that that is rather damning of Patrick Vieira and his coaching staff. And to be honest, towards the end of that game at the Amex, I thought he cut a, a very lonely and forlorn-looking figure on the touchline. He wasn't the imposing figure that we saw in his Arsenal days, or that in, when it's been going well at, at, at Palace as a manager. He looked like somebody who was wearing the weight of the world on his shoulders. He had that haggard look on his face that 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 precedes a manager losing his job. How have we got to this point, Matt? I mean, I guess the most obvious issue is goal scoring, isn't it? Uh, I, I joked before about you know having a shot on target last night being some sort of achievement considering the way that recent games had gone. But just four league goals in 2023, one of just two teams in English football without a win this calendar year as well. Why can't Palace score? I think the first thing to say is that the midfield doesn't work. Whatever he puts in that midfield, it just doesn't seem to work. They didn't replace, as Dom sort of alluded to, they didn't replace Conor Gallagher. The off-season, Palace had a pretty clear way of playing. It looked to me that he wanted to play two number eights with someone holding, and that seemed to work really well. Conor Gallagher being a massive part of that, being very tenacious, running into space creating openings for the strikers or the forward players and they used that space to run into or he made that space and, and took it himself. This season that just hasn't happened. There's just no, they don't have natural number eights. The way that Fiera wanted to play last season, none of them can press in the way that, you know, Jeffrey Stock in theory could, but he doesn't. He's been very much a figure that's been criticised by the fans a lot. Eze has gone off the boil. It, it's just the midfield mostly. However... I thought Wilson Edouard was awful against Brighton. Again, he didn't have a lot of service, but he should score that free header in the first half. That puts Palace in the lead. That gives you a massive boost against Brighton, against your rivals. It, it makes Yamex nervous. Good chance you go on to, to maybe even win that game. Although Palace's late goals conceded has remained a problem this year, having been a massive problem last year and perhaps overlooked by the fact that they did pretty well last season overall. So it's a combination of, of a, an imbalance in midfield, not really having that clear identity of how they want to progress the ball up the pitch. And then it's the issue of the strikers not being good enough either. Edward is is slightly better than Mateta, but there's not a huge amount in it. The other thing that's that's been quite interesting about Fiera is, again, he quite often repeats that it's the decision-making in that final third that's the issue. I think, again, as many times as Palace have played the same game this season... 
I've heard Vieira in a post-match press conference, in a pre-match press conference, say the same thing time and time again. But the onus is on him to fix that as well. I was going to say, you could be coaching that, couldn't you? As, as time goes by, you could be helping these players to make the right decisions. Don, what do you think? If you sit down in the cold light of day and work out which players in Palace's squad have improved over the last two years, it's really not very many. And that, unfortunately boils down to the coaching that they're receiving if you look at and Palace fans will hate this but if you look at Brighton under Graham Potter and De Zerbe, players improved have improved are improving they're getting better each week uh, unfortunately that's just not the case at Palace you could make an argument for Michael Elise he's been slightly better but actually his his I think end product is probably slightly down on last season I mean Eberichi Eze okay the Achilles injury was significant and it's difficult to recover from that and he's shown flashes at times but his performance at Brighton in the second half was of of a player that is devoid of belief in his own ability. I mean, the conviction has been drummed out of these guys by this this run of of results uh, and it's... That 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 is that is poor. I mean, Mark. You could, yeah, maybe the back line. Maybe Mark Gay has improved slightly. Although I think it's arguable whether he's had as good a season as last year. That's the essence of it. You need improvement when you're a club of Palace's size. You can't go into the market and spend 110 million pounds in every window. You need a coaching staff that is going to get the best and maximise what you've got at your disposal and improve the players at your disposal. And I don't think that's what's been happening the last almost two years. Interestingly, this week, Phil Hay has done a piece on The Athletic as well, um, a very revealing read, actually, about the relegation fight. It's unique to have this number of clubs involved and for it to be so tight. For Palace to be in 12th, but just five points off the bottom of the table at this stage of the season is absolutely ridiculous, really. Uh, For the neutral, it's going to be a very, very intriguing end to the season with all these teams involved. But one of the things that stuck out to me in in Phil's piece, which was done with Duncan Alexander as well, is a table, and it details the last 20 Premier League clubs who have changed manager uh, at this sort of stage of the season. There's a team going up one place, there's a team going down one place, but no one seems to make a, a drastic change. Now, I know Crystal Palace staying in 12th or going up a place or down a place would actually probably be okay, uh, considering the position and, and how weird this season's been, but it doesn't speak to a change at this sort of stage making that much difference, does it? I think a lot depends on who, probably depends on who you bring in. You need to have a plan for what the rest of the season looks like. I'm sure that's being drawn up. I'm sure that's been considered over the last you know, few games, few weeks, few months. It is a really difficult decision despite you know everything that, that, that is being said. I think Dom touched on it about Fiera and how he's brought into the club. And, and there's been a lot of, a lot of things that have been really good about this, this tenure. And I think last season... You know, I think there might be a bit of revisionism from from people at the end of this season, or if and you know, if if Fiera was to go, I think people might look at this season and remember this season and forget actually how good last season was. You know, there was a run of of games last season like this run of games that he didn't get a win in. But you know, changing the manager isn't going to guarantee you to stay up if that's if that's your aim, if that's what Palace. That is ultimately what Palace are thinking about. If if they get rid of Fiera, it's because they believe that Patrick Fiera being in charge will not keep them in the Premier League. Ultimately, Steve Parrish and the board will not make that decision to get rid of the manager unless they really are very concerned about relegation. That is 
the ultimate thing. It will also be if if they believe that the current coaching staff aren't getting the best out of these players, and that they there is a a, a quality and a a pedigree and, a, and, a, and an amount of talent there that that suggests that Palace are underachieving. Is this about more than staying in the Premier League then for you? I don't think that w- when you've gone 11 games without a win and you're five points off the bottom and three points off the relegation zone and, and get the teams now behind you with games in hand, I don't think you, you can think about more than just staying in the Premier League. I think you, you've been forced. There were periods last season and certainly at the end of last season over a very promising run-in uh, where it looked as if Palace were kicking on to the next level, but everything about this this year has been a step back. Bear in mind, this is a club that over the over the decade that it's spent in the Premier League, a lot of those years there there have been periods in the seasons. I think probably in every season there have been periods where Palace have fretted about their future in the division and still finished twelfth and still finished twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, and in there and and certainly under the previous manager that it was, <laughs> you know, twelfth or thirteenth was sort of made. And, and and Vieira, in fairness, last season, and it's it's yeah, that's where they are. That's that's the level they're at. Um, that is that's that's we've they've always wanted to break through that ceiling and into the top half, but they've never quite managed it. They've always been two or three players short of doing that. And, and now, okay, it feels like a bit of a retrograde step. They're they're now in a relegation battle with they will be with ten games to go because they're playing the leaders of the division away from home on Sunday. So. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've talked quite a bit about last season and about the the progress that it felt like Palace were making under Patrick Vieira, Dom. Um, We've looked back to a piece as well um, in preparation for this podcast to October 2021. It's still up on The Athletic if people want to go and read it as well. And that was all about how Vieira was making Palace believe again and the great work that was being done. I mean, where's it gone wrong? I think you need to context in that. Football has come out of COVID behind closed doors in the last year of of Roy Hodgson's um, four and a half year stint in charge. I think they played twice, Spurs at home and Arsenal at home with some fans in the stadium in that last season. Football was pretty miserable. Uh, That was the end of a cycle in terms of the squad. A lot of senior players moved on that summer. And everything about Palace in the summer of 2021 felt bright, fresh and new Vieira was part of that a lot of young players signed we had uh, you know Eze was coming back from his injury we had Elise joining Edouard was joining Gallagher was there Gay Anderson all these guys were were coming in the door Palace were actually investing money significantly by their standards for the first time in a long time and, and Patrick Vieira was a was a an exciting figurehead to take over from Roy Hodgson after four and a half years um and I think there was a period last year, which, you know, Matt said revision in last earlier in the podcast. Last year was not a cakewalk. There were periods last year where, where Palace were not going anywhere quickly. They, they won two out of 12 games in the middle of the season in the Premier League. And it was all masked by the fact they had a good cup run and they were winning games in the FA Cup. And, it, and it, that made it look slightly better than it actually was. It was the run into last season and a few performances early on, winning at Manchester City, you know, beating Wolves at home, which got us in, got Palace into the top half of the table. But it really was the run in and the performances against Arsenal, the, the fantastic win at Molyneux where they absolutely played Wolves off the park that's what people carried into this season that's why people came with such a sense of optimism going into the into the new campaign and the problem with the Premier League is if you don't sustain that level of spending or that that level of progression and recruitment and uh, and and team development then actually you move backwards and you know, Conor Gallagher leaving was a massive, massive hole in that Palace team. A huge hole, and they didn't replace it. People have quite rightly said that Christian Benteke wasn't pr- prolific at Palace, and, and actually him departing was not a, a massive problem for Palace, but not replacing him was. Not getting somebody in to come in and, and, and ease the burden on the strikers was a, was a major issue. And actually, when you look at it, for all that Chick DeCorey arrived for a lot of money in the summer... He was arguably coming in for the semi-fit James MacArthur, of, of all people. He wasn't coming in to replace Conor Gallagher. And, and Palace's squad was weaker this season. I don't think what they did in the summer particularly left them in a better place. I don't think what they did in January particularly left them in a better place. And unfortunately, it's 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 limited what Patrick Vieira can do with the players 
Uh, it's exposed maybe his limitations as a coach and as a manager, and it's left Palace in the predicament they're in. What impression do you get of Vieira as a manager, Matt, in terms of how he's been at Crystal Palace? He came, of course, back to English football, still with uh, the reputation of being an absolute titan of a footballer, a world champion, a Premier League legend. Um, how have you found him uh, at, at Selhurst Park and, and just dealing with him, really? He's a very, very interesting person. You, you might expect him to sort of carry this ego with him, given his playing career, given everything that he won. But Patrick Vieira, the player, doesn't exist anymore in his head. Patrick Vieira, the player, is gone. Like the only reason that pa- the only time Patrick Vieira, the player, ever comes out is if he can impart some kind of knowledge on his players that that would benefit them from what he experienced. As as far as I'm aware, he doesn't like to speak about his playing career again unless it's particularly relevant to what is being you know discussed or or what his players are going through um, I think he's really he's most engaging when talking about something that he can relate to in terms of his players again so injuries you know, I, I guess to some extent individual progression he speaks you know relatively calmly there's been times on on the pitch where you know, he's gone up to referees a lot and last season he would joke he joked about this a few times where you know he's, he's got very angry at referees for their decisions uh, I think that's where Patrick Vieira the player comes out in Patrick Vieira the manager he has become a little bit snappy of late that sort of speaks to the pressure that I think he surely realizes he's under um his demeanor has changed since that sort of this run of poor games but again I think that's inevitable. I think it would grind anyone down. I didn't expect him to be the way he was. You know, he's he's very charismatic. You can see why he's very well liked at the club by everyone. He's very respectful. He has a lot of time for everyone. And that's probably helped him to to have made the impression that he has on people. Don, what does that character witness count for in this situation, in the minds of Crystal Palace fans in particular? The idea of having Patrick Vieira's as manager and, and and the figure will will still be appealing in 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 terms of what he represents um, and how he carries himself, but unfortunately that gets eclipsed by by what he's becoming and what he's being exposed as. Unfortunately, by these results, I mean at this stage, I think Palace fans are are actually questioning why he can't get a, a tune out of the, a squad that most people would consider to be one of the most talented Palace have ever had, in terms, certainly in terms of some of the attacking creative talents, and yet they look so dulled by it all and, and nullified by, by it all. He hasn't, he hasn't been able to, to come up with a solution to, to, to get a tune from these guys, and the grumbling in the background has sort of increased, obviously, over the course of this run, and and the scepticism has has increased, and it, it wasn't there. I mean, but that's that's the legacy of uh, of a dreadful run of results and a brutal fixture list, and and not having the resources necessarily the right balance of resources at his disposal. And I will be very very sorry to see Patrick Vieira leave Crystal Palace because he is he comes across as such a good man and I loved having somebody like Roy actually I loved that somebody who bought into the club in their own way and and felt at home at the club but at the moment the future of the club is is jeopardized and and incidentally that's not to say that the finger of culpability should not be pointed elsewhere as well 
the hierarchy. There's a lot of confusion around that over the ownership issue at Crystal Palace. And that's ultimately what's hamstrung Vieira in so many ways. It's hamstrung the sporting director as well, Dougie Friedman. And what happens next? They will turn the focus onto Friedman as well. I think the question is, are Palace attractive enough to bring in someone from the championship who's doing well, to bring in someone from outside who's doing well? How uh, can you persuade them that this is a project that they should undertake? Um, will they get the backing for that? I guess they would, as Don has alluded to, yeah, there's, there's been, Fiera is not the only one responsible for this. There is shared responsibility amongst the players, amongst the manager, amongst the coaching staff and amongst the recruitment team and, and amongst the board as well. Like it is a completely, there's no one obvious person that you go, do you know what, that person is primarily and almost solely responsible for this. And the question is, how do you then persuade a new manager that actually this is something that they want to take on? When you look at the summer, I think Shep Decore, out of the six summer signings, Shep Decore has been the only regular. And he was really good to start with, but he's really gone off the boil. I think you know he should have been sent off against Brighton for two yellow cards, which would have been his second two yellow cards in a, in, in a row and you know he's on nine yellow cards now he's one away from a, a two match suspension he's literally just come back from a, a suspension for having two yellow cards in one game and, and therefore being sent off against Villa Dom just to tap into your sort of Chelsea knowledge as well a little bit Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard from the outside seem very similar to Patrick Vieira in terms of being Premier League legendary midfielders and stepping into managerial roles that actually have started well and drifted a little bit. Gerard at Villa, Lampard at Chelsea and at Everton, to be fair. It's maybe an easy comparison and maybe slightly lazy because they're old midfielders. They were very good as players and, and the managerial sort of situations have gone the same. But do you see similarities between what's happened to them and, and what's happened to to Patrick Vieira. I mean, bearing in mind that Patrick Vieira wasn't first choice either at Crystal Palace in the summer of 2021. That, we shouldn't forget that. that they, Palace went and explored plenty of other options before they ended up with Patrick Vieira. They they thought they'd appointed Lucien Favre, uh, who's just had a very underwhelming spell in charge of Nice. Um, they they pursued and were close to doing a deal with Nuno Espirito Santo, and that, that, that uh, ended up uh, proving to costly prohibitive and they didn't get the right you know noises back from from Nuno towards the end but I'd be loath to draw the comparisons really with with Lampard and, and Gerard. I think that if there is a comparison to be made it may well be and he won't he won't like this at, at all but it may well be with Patrick Vieira's stint in charge of Nice where there was initially quite a lot of hope things looked quite good for a while and then they stagnated and sort of people lost sight of what or didn't didn't couldn't really recognize a, a discernible identity in the team and the approach uh that, that they couldn't really tell you what how nice were playing and how they would go out there and, and attack a game i think that's what we've seen at palace um different clubs different scenarios you know nice were backed by Sir jim ratcliffe in the end and and ineos is is wealth but and palace Palace's ownership issue is is ongoing, but I think on the pitch, the team has suffered similar issues. What's interesting about Palace is that you look at the defence and actually they could actually get their best ever 
their fewest ever goals conceded in a Premier League season this season. I think that was what they achieved last season. They actually broke a whole heap of, of records for a Palace side in the Premier League last season. Um, I think they scored their most, their highest ever goals. They had their best ever goal difference. Um, I think it was their second fewest, might have been their second fewest goals conceded. I think most number of wins or something like that. But obviously that that's in the past now and, and this season has been such a disappointment. And, and looking ahead to the Arsenal game, I think... I spoke to some fans um, for a piece recently about what fans think of Palace and, and the common theme was, where are the goals coming from? Where are the wins coming from? Just can't see where it's coming from. Even the most optimistic people, and I think I'm pretty optimistic, you can't see it. I'm sure Don would 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 agree that, that I'm very much on the optimistic side here. But looking at those those final fixtures and and you know specifically the Arsenal game, I mean, it just you just don't see what can change. The defence has been reasonably solid. Look at the number of games where Palace have conceded more than one goal in a game. It's not very often. Fulham and Spurs, they're anomalies. Like I'm not not excusing them in any way. They were both pretty bad but they were anomalies in this season they did well against Manchester United against Newcastle not to concede a lot of goals I mean yes there was some element of fluke there that or luck that poor finishing from the opposition but I, I would probably expect Arsenal to be pretty ruthless which is ironically what Palace are completely lacking in and I just don't see how you get any result at the Emirates Don final word I'm quite sad at the way it's all gone really I I, I... I'm like many. I I bought into the the idea of of Patrick Vieira as Palace's manager. I, he would love to be going back to the Emirates this this weekend, leading a a team that is recognisably his, that is playing the type of football that he wants to wants his sides to play, which I'm taking as a throwback to the run in the last season and that high energy. Um, and it, it just isn't, unfortunately. I think it's. A number of factors have, have left us here. You know, there's no reason that Palace should be going to Brighton, seventh place Brighton, expecting to win a game. I mean, that's that's there are not many clubs that do that. And indeed, better teams than Palace have been absolutely thrashed there this season. So you can look at it and say, well, you've lost narrowly at home to the, the reigning champions, Manchester City, and you've lost narrowly at Brighton. He must be doing something right. But... The performance at the Amex in the second half was a was one of a team devoid of belief, and that has to be imposed and instigated from from the top. Okay, thank you to Matt and Dom. Remember, of course, keep your eyes on the Athletic for the very latest on Crystal Palace and the situation for Patrick Vieira. Remember, if you're not a subscriber, you can take advantage of our offer of one pound ninety nine a month for twelve months by going to theAthletic.com forward slash football pod but for the minute thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one bye bye the athletic